Hello and welcome to the ETOF21 Sports Podcast for July 18th. My name is Eric, the man behind ETOF21 Sports. You can find my work at ETOF21 Sports on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Yes, I know I am totally tanking in the world of TikTok, but I'm not going to lie. I can't believe it's the middle of July. Time seems to be flying. Summer is halfway over. We already had the 4th. And before you know it, it's going to be fall. And I'd like to thank Shy from iSports for coming on last week. Her and I talked about what could happen if football doesn't come back and the impact on schools financially. Stanford's already cut 11 sports. And some of you know I'm a coach, and my main thing is if you want to get your kid into college to play, play the college sport I coach in, you give him or her to me. And I will do my best, and I will put him in it in a position to have a college scholarship. And that's what I do. Part-time. And, I mean, I am I have people that I work with that are worried that it's going to limit the opportunity for their kid, which I totally understand because this coronavirus is totally changing everything. Everything. I mean, you look at it. We don't even know if the NBA is going to try to pull off what they're trying to do. Is NHL going to pull off what they're going to trying to do? I mean, so far, England, Germany, and Spain with the soccer, they've been doing great, but let's face it. Those guys are way more respectful of wearing the face mask outside than we are. How many times do you go on social media and you see some jackass who's acting like a fool because they weren't wearing a face mask? I mean, it's embarrassing. It really is embarrassing that as a society we're so selfish that we won't wear a face mask and think, oh, this virus is a hoax, but yeah, I will believe that Wayfair is shipping out kids in cabinets for sex trafficking. I mean, how can one person believe that and then not see what's happening in the world? It blows my mind. And I'm not going to lie, I'm getting really worried that football especially college football, is not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. If it gets moved back to the spring, it's just going to be a watered-down product, and it's not going to be that good. You know, so I'm really I'm really concerned. I'm really worried about that. And then what's going to happen with NFL? How many people aren't going to play because of the fear, the fear of it? Already the Bucks starting left tackle, he's stated that he doesn't want to play, and that's Brady's blind side. Can you imagine if he doesn't play, what pressure Tom Brady would be under now? It's just crazy to me how no one is talking about that. It's just crazy. And then, also in sports, we got this whole thing with the Redskins. I mean, it sickens me that men in power do this to women. It's already hard enough for women to break into the, to the sports field, and... Then you get some egotistical old man that tries to push himself on a woman who's just trying to do her job. So already she has it tough because this is a male-dominated industry of sports. And she's got some chauvinistic pig who's sexually assaulting her. I mean, that just, that sickens me. It sickens me to my core. I mean, there are so many talented women that aren't getting an opportunity in the world of sports because of chauvinistic pigs. And it just it just freaking disgusts me. 
and hopefully Washington does change its culture. But I really think Schneider gets to get needs to get out of there. It just needs a whole a whole facelift. The whole organization needs a facelift. And it started with Rivera getting Rio in there. It's going to be better on the football field. The product will be better. But the front office, you need a central figure there to be in charge. And someone who isn't a douchebag like Snyder. And until Snyder's out, it's going to be a serious issue with what's going on in D.C. So hopefully that will get taken care of. I personally really hope they switch their name to the Hawks as a shout-out to the old offensive lines. But they, um, I think they're going to go Warriors or some, something weird like that. I heard they want to keep Maroon, so it may be Red something, Red Warriors, some shit like that. I mean, that really doesn't do it for me, and I don't know. But, you know, we have a full day of sports today. We have horse racing, loaded day of horse racing. All my plays... I haven't posted Pleasanton yet. I need to get Pleasanton up. But I got Saratoga, Monmouth, Laurel Park, Gulfstream up. We got we cashed our first EPL bet of the day. Only EPL. We got some FA Cup action kicking off. We got Xfinity Racing. We got Truck Racing. We got UFC. So sports are starting to come back. I mean, granted, next week is baseball. Fingers crossed. Fingers fucking crossed. We have fucking Major League Baseball next week. Because I have... A couple plays circled. And for those of you that are new to my little system, the way I do stuff, basically what I'm going to do is I bet a lot of dogs. I don't bet anything over minus 125. Why not over minus 125? Well, when I bet over minus 125, that that raises my break-even point. And that's what a lot of these touts, they really don't tell you. They lay these huge numbers, and then you lose a bigger unit than you should. So you got to be careful when you lay those big numbers. And that's why I don't, like I said, I don't lay anything over minus 120. Just won't do it. So what I do is I will bet a lot of first five unders. I will bet an insane amount of dogs, like big price dogs. And then if I get a dog that is plus one and a half, which is called the run line, if I have a dog where I get plus money on the red line, I'll just open up an open parlay and try to get two of them in there. Just boom, boom. Just that's it. Just two. So, I mean, that's kind of how I do it. If you guys want me to start posting that stuff, I'll be more than happy. I have no baseball plays post. All my futures I've set on here. So, if you guys are interested in my futures, you should know them by now. Um, So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to baseball. Baseball starting. I'm not going to be going in any Brewers games like I usually do just because I'm fearful of the disease. And I respect the disease. And I wear a mask outside like you guys should. And speaking of baseball, I cannot wait until Monday's episode. The one, the only, Lock God is going to come by and he's going to talk some Major League Baseball. So, I'm really looking forward to talking to him. If you guys don't follow him, great follow His record he put up last year in baseball was insane. The kid knows what he's talking about. Great guy. Looking forward to talking to him, picking his brain a lot. So on Monday's episode, he's going to be stopping by. And then in today's episode, Sterling's stopping by. Sterling from Silver Star. And we are going to be talking about some AFC North, which is a real interesting division. But real quick, 
before we you know continue about some stuff, Derrick Henry signed that big contract. And personally, I wouldn't sign Derrick Henry to that big contract. I wouldn't have done it. I would have signed him to a one, two-year deal. That's it. But four years, if that a chunk of change, you lost you lost Conklin. Your offensive line is going to take a deterioration, a step backwards. And I just don't – running backs aren't winning games, okay? If you guys look at who are the three best running backs right now in the league, Christian McCaffrey, Zeke Elliott, and Saquon Barkley, how many playoff wins do those guys have? So my point has been proven right there. How many of those teams made the playoffs last year? So my point has been proven right there that whoever has the better running backs don't necessarily, quote unquote, win games. So you don't want to really build around the running back to win the game. It's a simple, it's a simple, 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 simple concept. The running scheme makes the running back. The running scheme makes the running back. Say it with me, people. You look at Raheem Moster, whose value is an all-time high right now. And granted, like I talked about with Gino Bacala and, and NBA players not playing, is the window of opportunity that these guys have to make money is so small. And I get that. But Raheem Moster has been bouncing around from lead to lead to lead to lead to lead. If he goes and he has an insane season, rushes for over 1,400 yards behind that offensive line in a Shannon running hand system, that should be accomplishable for Raheem Moster. And then you go for the big money. Then you go for your payday. I mean, him demanding a trade where he's going to struggle and then he'll get cut and just be a journeyman player again is some of the worst decision-making that a free agent, excuse me, that a player can have from his agent. That makes zero sense to me. Go out there, produce. You're in a, you had a great running line, a great offensive line, a great running system. Have your career year, cash it out, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Get your payday of money that will set you and your family up for life, for life. And then you demand that stuff. Then you demand that. You know what I mean? It just, it doesn't make sense. And I understand you're risking injury, but Jesus, you got to think. You got to think. You got to think. You got you to go out there and you, you got to understand. I mean, these running backs have such a big ego. I mean, Melvin Gordon swallowed his pride and Esau was up. And I'm really high on Joe Mixon, like Sterling and I will talk about. And hopefully he doesn't hold out. But it's just a simple concept. The running back, the running, the running system makes the running back. And also, real quick, so there's this dude on Instagram, and I don't let people bother me. That's just kind of my thing. But so this dude hits me up, follow for follow, which is fine. And he he does lazy analysis in my eyes. Like a lot of stuff, certain and quote unquote experts say, he'll just kind of copy. There was one quarterback. I don't think this quarterback's very good. I am very low. I think he's going to bust out this year. And I called out one of these quote-unquote experts for him putting this quarterback in his top 10 list. And this guy defended him, and he's like, well, he makes one to two to good throws a game. So let me get this straight. You're arguing me that this guy's a top quarter, top talented quarterback in the league because he makes one to two good throws a game. That's your argument. That is your argument. 
one to two good throws a game. That's your fucking argument. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? That's your fucking argument? And then he posts something about Martin from the Cowboys being one of the best players in the NFC East. Yeah. Is Martin healthy? No. People don't realize that those Cowboys offensive line isn't the Cowboys offensive line of last year. You're going to have a rookie center, and the whole left side, those guys are banged up. So when I see people put out that stuff, and it just tells me they're not doing the research themselves, they are relying on a other people's work, quote-unquote, experts, or they are just going on last year's work. And then... Like, I've called out the guy a couple times, and then he just unfollows me, which is fine. You know, I don't care if follows me. I mean, I, I don't care if I have zero followers. At the end of the day, all that matters is me cashing out my winning bets. Because, like I said, my rental units I own, how I provide for myself and my family, is through this. This is my main source of income, betting. There's less than 2%, there's 2% of the people that can do what I'm doing. So... You know, you guys can talk shit about my opinion and, like, my crazy thoughts. But it's my crazy thoughts and the way I perceive things that I'm able to do what I'm able to do. Yeah, I'm a little loony. You can ask the new little lady friend. She thinks I'm a fucking nut. She she says, I don't understand how you do what you do. Neither do I. But I'm able to do what I do. So, you know, you can hate the opinion. You can talk shit to me all you want. But you got to respect the opinion because the opinion is right a lot, and that's how I make that cheddar. I'm still working on the draft guide that is coming along. Like I said, you know, summer's almost over. You know, I got a lady friend, um, and I'm just having a hard time balancing everything right now. So I'm not able to dive into that as much as I want to. Hopefully, over the next couple weekends, I'm able to dive into it and really put out a product that I'm I'm proud of and that will help you guys win your fantasy football league. Because like I said, winning the fantasy football game league, you you got to think about offensive line, defensive line, DBs. Are the team going to be ahead, behind? And also offensive line coach. Not many people think about offensive line coaches while they're doing their fantasy stuff. Just following Yahoo or ESPN's preset rankings, that's lazy. That's lazy. But no, I'm going to really dive into that, so I'm looking forward to it. Um... We got Sterling coming on today. Sterling's going to talk a little bit about um, the NFC, excuse me, AFC North with an eye. We're going to break down those teams. So we have a great show today, and let's dive into it. All right, so we want to welcome Sterling from Silver Star Sports back to the show. Uh, we're going to be continuing our dive into different divisions. Today we're going to the AFC North. Sterling, how are you doing, man? Hey, Eric, how you doing? I'm um, doing pretty well today. Uh, thanks for having me again. Ready to talk some football. That's good. That's good. How's the uh, How's the weather down there? Because we're in the middle of a I guess, heat storm, I guess that's what you'd call it, because it is hot as shit here. Mm, yeah, it's been 90s in Tennessee here. So, yeah, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, Ready I'm, for this fall weather to come. Oh, my God. I will never take an Arctic blast day for granted again with because I am melting. <laughs> But um, we're going to start with the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals have an over-under of six. They are plus 1,500 to win the... 
oh, excuse me, plus 2,200 to win the AFC North. They are 60 to 1 to win the AFC Conference and 150 to 1 to win it all. Offense last year, total offense of 26, rushing of 25, passing of 19, defense overall 25th, rushing defense 32nd, passing defense 21st. What do you think about these Bengals? They have plenty of reasons to be excited. This team's got a lot of talent. Um, obviously, they've got a new eject- injection of youth with Joe Burrow at the helm. Um, they got good skill players between Mixon, uh, Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green. And then they've got some solid players on defense. My main gripe about the Bengals, though, is their head coach, Zach Taylor. Um, if year one is any indication, it looks like he's not a good NFL coach. Um, I feel like he got hired more for that young infusion of youth that the NFL wanted to do between Sean McVay, Cliff Kingsbury. But he doesn't have the or he hasn't shown to be the level of those guys yet, so I'm just not too sure how they'll be. I mean, it was almost like if you had a cup of coffee with Sean McVay, you got hired as a coach, because everyone Mm -hmm. was just trying to catch lightning in a bottle with that. Um, I personally am pretty high on Joe Mixon this year in fantasy. What do you think of old uh, Joey? Joe Mixon's one of my favorite backs in the league, because he can do it all. Um, I think because he plays on the Bengals, he's overlooked by the national media a lot. and He's not as flashy as other backs per se, but he's right up there at the top. I'd have him running in my top five or six running backs this year. Yeah, I have a, actually have him at four right now on my list. And he was actually number two in rushing yards the second half of the season, only behind Derrick Henry. And I'm spacing on the kid's name, but they moved... They, they changed centers mid-season. And of course, I'm spacing on his name. And uh, Billy Price and... Oh, Trey Hopkins. Yep. As soon as they inserted Hopkins, their offensive line started to click. And then they're getting Jonah Williams, who... I mean, people seem to forget. Bill Belichick and Nick Saban last year said this was the best kid in the draft. And he didn't play one down. So automatically, you're getting the... Arguably will at least say the best at his position, the offensive tackle. So immediately, I think their line's going to be better than it was last year. Um, I do definitely think they'll be better with the inclusion of Jonah Williams because I remember I was really high on him coming out last year. But the rest of their guys, like between Michael Jordan, Trey Hopkins, Xavier Suofilo, Bobby Hart, I feel like most of those guys, they wouldn't start on the majority of NFL offensive lines. If they weren't, if they didn't play for the Bengals, mm-hmm. so that's why I'm, I guess, a bit lower on this team than some others. Okay, okay, and I think I think you're totally right. I mean, I'm looking at my notes right now, and the first thing is how good is Taylor? Is Taylor as good as the Bengals thought they he was? Is he going to be able to be a leader of men, dissect an offense? You know what I mean? Like you hit the nail on the head. How much do we really trust this guy? Uh-huh. And then um, I think getting A.J. Green back is going to be good. Um, he's he's just Mr. Reliable in my eyes. You know, I, I really thought they were going to trade him, but the fact he signed that franchise tender, I really like it. 
I'm really high on this team. I think I actually, as soon as the over-unders came out, I bet the over-under of um, a five and a half. It's, it's been bet up to six. And they just happen, I think they just catch some, some key teams on the right on the right, um, right spots. Like, they get the Chargers at home, which is great because a rookie quarterback, you don't have to travel. I would have liked the game more if it was an earlier start, but it play, they play at four, so I, I think they can win that game. And I think that game at home against the Jags is a win. And I'm calling it right now, that November 1st game, before the bye, they're going to beat the Titans at home. I think that game's a lot more competitive than people people are thinking. Okay, so what do you have them? I have them at 6-10. and 10. I 6-10, okay. and I mean... I got. I actually have them at a at one point winning three out of four games in the middle of the season. Gotcha. What uh, What do you have them at? I have them at five and eleven. Okay. I can see them going over, but yeah, just my reservations between that O line and then Zach Taylor. So. Okay. Now, what is my bold predictions? Like a bold prediction in the future? I did, I went with a little different here. What's your bold prediction? Uh, my bold prediction is Zach Taylor doesn't make it out of the season. Okay. Because I feel like they have all the pieces to be to show signs of progress, but if they don't, then they'll start looking at Zach Taylor um, as not the guy, which I could see happening. My bold prediction is six wins this year, next win next year eight wins, barely missed the playoffs, and then three years they win the North. I mean that's how much I love Bur- Burrow. What? We never really talked about Burrow, and I guess he's like the big, obviously their big rookie. What do you think of him? He's the most pro-ready QB I've evaluated in a while. Between his like mental pre-snap processor, um, he just understands defenses at a, such a high level. So I think he'll come in and be a very productive rookie. I um, think. Sorry, what are you saying? I think he's going to be great. I think he's yeah. going to be great. I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you. But no, you're good. He, um, he didn't really get hit last year, and like I want to know how he's going to respond to that first time he gets knocked in the face. Mm-hmm. Also, he he liked throwing to the backs, too. So in PPR formats, we got to remember that when we're, when we're drafting Joe Mixon. And Mixon is my fantasy sleeper. I think he's going to be a top top four back. With the PPR value, Burrow liking to dump the ball off, improved offensive line, second leading rusher the second half of the season. I just think Mixon's in line for a, a year. Hopefully he doesn't hold out, which he wants a new contract. Hopefully he can get on the field. Who's your sleeper? Um, I thought about Mixon, but like you said, him being on the last year of his rookie deal and then him with the possibility of him holding out at some point. Um, I went with another guy. I went with Tyler Boyd. I feel like Burrow threw a lot to Justin Jefferson in the slot last year at LSU, so he's comfortable throwing it there. Boyd plays a slot for the Bengals. He's already shown he's a very good receiver and understands coverages. I think they'll develop a connection pretty soon. Okay. All right. I actually went with Boyd for my fantasy bust. I just feel Uh like... AJ Green coming back, he's going to just eat some of those targets. So I, that was my main reason. Who did, who did you go for your bust? Yeah, I see we, we thought opposite here. So I went with AJ Green as my bust because okay. uh, he's the bigger name. 
people will probably pick him higher. Uh, they got Burrow and assume he's healthy. But I don't know, A.J. Green, he just, I just feel like he gets injured too frequently, or at least plays injured, you know. So it was still a reliable guy whenever he does play, but I don't know. With how much time he's missed over the past few seasons, I wouldn't trust him to draft him high, you know, or as a starter. I mean, father time is undefeated. Um, I'm I'm slowly finding that out as I mature, and you you will find that out in a couple years, my friend. Um, so now let's move on to a team I'm pretty high on. I think I'm higher on them than you. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers have a over under of nine wins. They are plus four hundred, so four to one to win the North. 13 to 1 to win the AFC and 28 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Offense, they were sixth in total offense, third in rushing. Oh, I'm excuse me, that is defense. Sixth in total defense, third in rushing, 14 in passing. On offense, third, 30th in total offense, 31st in rushing. And 29th in passing. What what do you think of these Steelers? They're the, a team that I've gone back and forth with all throughout this offseason. Because at times I've pegged them as like this dark horse Super Bowl contender. To right now, I'll just spoil my record prediction. I have them going 8-8 eight and eight and missing the playoffs. Ooh. Um, I feel like there's two ways to look at this. On the one hand, yes... Um, they almost made the playoffs last year with like the worst QB play in the league, and they'll get Big Ben back. But on the other hand, you gotta look at it. And Big Ben's a 38 year old quarterback coming off a major surgery, and then his supporting cast of weapons isn't anything to write home about. So I don't know if he'll be as good as people anticipate. Um, and then another thing you gotta think about with the Steelers is last year that defense just played downright insane. Like they forced a league high 38 takeaways, which um, I feel like takeaways aren't something that you can just manufacture and copy and paste on a year-to-year basis. So you got to expect some regression there. And then, who's to say Big Ben's body can hold up another season at his age? So, I don't know if they have to go back to playing uh, Mason Rudolph and then the defense takes any sort of a step back. I feel like that's another missed opportunity for the Steelers. So, I don't know. I, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they went on a ride and were in the AFC Championship game. So I could go back and forth. But I'm settling at 8-8 eight eight right now. Okay. I'm I'm actually pretty high on this team. I actually have them at 10-6. and six. I've bet them at winning the North. I got them, I think, at 5-1 to one to win the North when the numbers first came out and 29-1 to one to win the Super Bowl. I really like, obviously, what they did defensively last year and I mean like you said the big question is can the defense repeat the numbers they put up I mean their defense was insane last year um they added Ebron and I think adding that that's another guy that's just going to flourish in this offense Ben likes to go down the seam a lot and that's where Ebron's going to be lining up plus he gives Big Ben someone that that can win a, a jump ball when the ball's inside the five and he can just throw it up along with Chris Clay, Claypool. And for those of you that listen to when Sterling and I did our draft preview, Clay, Claypool was a guy I was really high on coming coming out from Notre Dame. What what 
what were, were you high on him too? Um, I actually wasn't personally. I thought he could switch to tight end, and I thought he would be more of a mismatch problem, even though his blocking's kind of lacking. Mm-hmm. But I thought he could be that like Eric Ebron mismatch problem if he switched to tight end full time. Okay. Wide receiver, I felt like he was a little slow off the ball. Okay, and then what about um? How do you feel about Juju? Like, I'm really not a Juju Smith type of guy. How? Tell me how you feel about Juju. I like Juju. Um, he just he took a step back with the absence of AB there to take away attention from the number one corner. You know, so I'm really curious to see what he does this year because I feel like last year was a learning curve. Maybe he gets his act together and is a dominant receiver again. But I don't know. I'm just more in a wait-and-see mood with Juju. I mean, it's always tough when you go from being wide receiver number two to wide receiver number one. So I don't know. Was it the lack of quarterback play that made him struggle last year? Or was it the fact, hey, he's going against better DB this now and he's getting exposed for not being a true number one? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's that's my question with him. But... It's also important to remember that him and Connor, they're both in contract years. And nothing motivates people more than money. I'm actually kind of expecting a big year from Connor just because if you look at the Big Ben years, that offense is always kind of funneled through the running back. You know what I mean? It's all even though Ben is like the face of the franchise or everything, it's always kind of gone through the um the running back. And also Talk to me. How do you feel about Mike Tomlin? Um, I like Mike Tomlin. Do I like him better than, like, compared to, like, the Sean Paytons or the uh, Pete Carrolls? No, but I still think he's one of the top-tier coaches towards the top of the league. And he did a really good job last year because the season looked lost, if you remember, for a, a little bit. But he turned this season around and had them fighting for the playoffs. I mean, I think he's one of the most underrated coaches. I think he's really good when he can get that us-against-the-world thing going on and get everyone motivated. And when you look at A.B. and how he was able to keep that locker room together, I think that's one of the better coaching jobs in a while. Absolutely. Um, so your bold prediction is, is what for these guys? I don't wish this on anyone, but... I just don't know if Big Ben will stay healthy. So my bold prediction is Big Ben gets injured yet again. And the Steelers' defense goes to the lakes. See, my bold prediction. Are you ready for this one? Because this one's out there. Are you ready for this bad boy? I think I know what it is, but you got to go ahead. They actually lose in the AFC Championship game to the Indianapolis Colts. I knew that was coming. Yep, I knew that you were going to say. That is my bold prediction. Um... Now, my sleeper's Connor. Again, contract year. You see all these photos about him getting jacked up, more muscle and everything. So I'm going to go with Connor just because, you know, everything just funnels through the, the running back for the Steelers. Who, who's your sleeper? I really thought about Connor because, like, I knew he was in a contract year, and I know he, how much he loves the city of Pittsburgh and wants to stay a Steeler. So I thought about him. But for me personally, I just find him more as just a back, you know. Okay. Um, he's just, just a guy. another running back, and like nothing to write home about. Yeah, just another um, guy. Yeah. So 
my sleeper is going to be Deontay Johnson. Ooh. I feel like people aren't really going to take him with any high draft capital, so you can just stash him on your bench. And his speed and the potential he has, uh, Randy Fitchner may be able to get creative and scheme him some touches, and he'll be able to do something. Okay. okay. Um, I was really high on James Washington last year, and I mean, I just... I, I remember I was touting him like no other, and that bit me. Um, who's your Who's your bust? Um, I talked about it a little bit earlier, but the Pittsburgh defense is going to be my bust. Oh, because I feel like every year um, in fantasy they take one of the tower. They take last year's top defense rounds too early. At least that's how it is with most of the leagues I'm in. And so. Because the Steelers forced 38 takeaways, someone's going to take them way too early or rounds before they should and expect that extremely high-rated turnovers to continue. Um, Don't get me wrong, I still feel like this is a top-five unit in the NFL and still going to be a very good defense. But from a pure fantasy perspective, they're not going to repeat the same success they had last year. There'll be some regression. And you hit the nail on the head. The number one advice that Sterling and I can give out to you guys is never chase last year. Last year's in the past. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you want to be out ahead of what you think is going to happen. So what Sterling's telling you guys is he doesn't think that number is, is um, what's the word I'm looking for? They, they can't accomplish that number. So he's going to fade everyone that is going after that defense, and he's going to try to get the defense that he thinks gonna, is going to be the Steelers' defense for next year. And that's like when you play fantasy football, that's a big thing you guys got to do. Um this guy had an awful season last year, and I already said I'm not a guy. I'm not one of his guys, but I think Juju's going to struggle this year. I think he's. I think he struggled because he had the number one DBs on him, and I just don't think he can beat the number one cover guy in man-to-man, man-to-man coverage. So you have the Steelers missing it. I have the Steelers going pretty far. The next team is a pretty interesting team. I love, love the moves they've they've done this this year it's the cleveland browns the browns have an over under an eight and a half they are basically five to one to win the north 16 and a half to one to win the uh, afc and 30 to one to win the super bowl offensively last year they were 22 total 12th in rushing 22nd in passing defense they were 20th in total defense, 30th in rushing defense, and in passing defense, they were 7th. So, talk to me about the Cleveland Browns, my friend. Okay, so I feel like the biggest motivator besides money is going to be hatred. So, it feels like everyone hates the Cleveland Browns right now, if you look on NFL Twitter. Um... And they're just sort of flying under the radar at the moment between MVP Lamar Jackson, the Steelers' amazing defense, and the new kid in town with Joe Burrow. This team last year struggled because they struggled to live up to the hype that the media created for them. This year they get to fly under the radar and just play football, get back to the basics. And I feel like that's going to, or last year, their humbling help is going to help them out so much this year. Um, I feel like everything that could have went wrong went wrong for the the Browns last year. But I think this year they're just going to get back to the basics and they still have a supremely talented roster. They have the fourth easiest schedule based on ESPN's FBI rankings. 
Um, and then last year, their biggest weakness was that O-line. They didn't allow Baker time to throw. And then they addressed that in the offseason by getting a star right tackle in Jack Conklin and then a star off of the tackle prospect in Jedrick Wills. So that alone will make them better. And then um, I don't know how Stefanski is going to look as a head coach, but based on the offense he runs, that outside zone running scheme with the play action, I expect Baker Mayfield to be much better. I know OBJ's got a vendetta against the league, and he's going to try to come back to his best abilities. So I just like this Cleveland Browns roster. I think they'll surprise a lot of people who are writing them off already. What What do you have their record at? Nine and seven. Oh, hit it on the head. I have them at nine and seven too, my friend. Um, I think the main thing, and you you said it when you're talking about him. And I'm a coach, so you know this is what I try to do with my the kids I the kids I coach, is you try to put put them in the in the best position to succeed. And I really feel that hiring Stefanski, and with that play action he's going to run, they added Conklin. I thought Conklin was the best free agent signing. I thought that was the best free agent signing by far. Um, they drafted um, Willis, the kid from uh, Bama. And I just feel that they're doing the offensive line. They're giving Baker everything he needs to succeed. So now we can finally see if Baker Mayfield is the quarterback that everyone thought he was going to be last year. I personally, I don't trust him. I really feel if the quarterback doesn't take that next step forward in that second year, he just doesn't have it. If the quarterback doesn't take the information he learned about reading the defense there's just that huge step backwards in the third year and that's why I'm not as high if Baker would have done like what Daniel Jones did last year or um, Kyle Murray like going in their second year I'd be a little bit more higher on him but since he's going in that third year I just I, I just don't trust him you know what I mean I like I you I have never been high on Baker Mayfield, even during his Oklahoma days. I thought he was a stretch as the one pick way back when. What did you, what did you feel about Cleveland taking him at one way back in the day? Uh, I remember I was kind of surprised because I had heard all these rumors about Darnold going to Cleveland. So I was actually surprised when Cleveland pulled the trigger. But uh, his rookie campaign he looked very good. I remember people were talking about him as the savior of the Cleveland franchise, considering how they almost made the, the playoffs. But then I feel like last year Freddie Kitchens really left him out there to dry. They had some deep passing attack going on that wasn't working because um, he and OBJ weren't in sync. And then also he didn't have time to throw, so he was rushing a lot. And that's the main reason I believe he looked pedestrian. But Stefanski's going to get them back to running the football. He's going to do better on play actions, which suits his game. So I don't know. I think Baker's going to be pretty good this year, actually. And then also that was kind of with the offense. The main, I mean, I, I'm a Nick Chubb guy. I love Nick Chubb. I really was hoping that back in that draft, the Lions would have somehow gotten Nick Chubb. I thought he was the best back in that draft, as crazy as it sounds. Um, but they got Kareem Hunt just lingering there. And I just don't know, like, how... How do you envision those snaps going out? Do you see it like being a straight share? Do you see Hunt getting the early, excuse me, Chubb getting the early work, Hunt being the third down and like hurry up back, pass catching back? How do you see that that breakdown happening? Um, I think Nick Chubb 
was like the lone bright spot for that offense last year. And like really cemented himself as like a top top ten pack, well, top seven to eight in my opinion. But um, so I feel like he's going to get the bulk of the carries, and we're not going to have to worry about Kareem Hunt from a fantasy perspective too much. But Hunt's just too talented just to sit on the bench full time. So I don't know how the snap count is going to work, but I don't know. I don't think that should be a deterrent to drafting Chubb in fantasy or anything. I mean, I'm really tempted to take a prop if I can find like a real like a number over twenty to one for Chubb to lead the uh, NFL in rushing. I mean, that's something I could behind this offensive line, Skafanski's running offense, and people forget Skafanski learned from Gary Kubiak last year. Kubiak was brought in to kind of like implement that zone running system, and I really feel. Stefanski learned a lot from him, and he's going to implement that running style a lot more in Cleveland. I could really see Chubb having a hell of a season. How do you how do you feel about that Chubb leading rusher in the NFL? I mean, last year he was second in the league, and I feel like Stefanski is only going to commit more to the running game, so I wouldn't be surprised at all. And I feel like Nick Chubb's one of the, in the Joe Mixon mold, where he's not really talked about in the national media. Okay. Uh, because there's so many personalities on the Cleveland Browns. But, yeah, he's incredibly productive. He's like a lunch pail guy. Some guy that just shows up, does his work, leaves, no no flash. You know what I mean? Those. Yeah. I like that guy on my team than OBJ. And I am. you mentioned OBJ. And the one thing with OBJ for fantasy is during the semifinals, the Browns are playing the Giants. So I would definitely invest a pick in OBJ just because of that because he's going to be pissed off that game. Um, I'm just not an OBJ guy, man. Like the when he played for the Giants and he went down to Miami, you know, they did that photo shoot on the on the bow, and then he was like warming up pregame with no shirt on with the guys that went down to the game with him. Like, I don't know, like all that stuff, and I'm not a like a look at me type of guy, like all that stuff just rubs me the wrong way. Um, I think perhaps maybe I'm a little biased on this topic, I'll say, because I'm a Giants fan. Okay. But I love OBJ because for years after years, he didn't have like a true number two wide receiver. And then if you remember the Giants back way back when were running uh, Orleans Darkwall and Paul Perkins. And I watched OBJ literally carry that offense with Eli Manning, his deteriorating arm. So I th- and I just think he's that talented. Like, through his first however many, or first, like, 25 career games, he was, like, literally on pace with Jerry Rice and Randy Moss in terms of receiving yards. And then he's only finished um, with under 1,000 yards one year. And I think that was a year he played, like, what, um, he got injured or broke his ankle. Okay. So, I don't know. I just believe he's supremely productive receiver and then some of the the hate he gets is a little unwarranted because Mm -hmm. he had to deal with the New York sports media which doesn't like you unless you're winning Super Bowls or winning championships Mm -hmm. which the Giants were far from so but yeah I can see how he could definitely rub you the wrong way with that photo shoot um and then also another thing I really feel like Kitchens took a lot of the blame last year rightfully slow but I really feel their defense should have been a lot better than it than it was. It should have. And they have 
Todd Bowles, the guy that used to be the coach of the uh, Cardinals, is a DC. I think Kitchens getting fired, you know, just kind of saved Bowles a little bit. I don't know, like, how the defense, it needs to take a step forward. Especially now you got Lamar, you got Big Ben coming back, you got Burrow. This division is slowly becoming one of the tougher divisions in the NFL. What, um, what do you think about their defense? And then also, after you answer that, tell me what you think about Miles Garrett. Um, as far as their defense, it definitely should have been better last year. But I think down the stretch, one of the things we saw is Freddie Kitchens couldn't control that locker room. And he really lost like the faith of the guys. So it almost felt like the Cleveland Browns just sort of like quit, which I don't think they'll do this year, you know, because they'll be more competitive. So I think they'll be better. They also got one of my favorite guys in the entire draft, Grant Delpit. I think it's just like a freak mm-hmm. athlete. And like I, I legit thought he was a top 15 talent in the draft, even though he fell to like the second round. Um, so I think they'll be better. They definitely lost some pieces between Scober and some Kirksey. But, I mean, they've got the pass rush. they got the secondary. So I think they'll be solid this year. Um, and then Miles Garrett, he just signed that big contract to make him the highest non-payer, highest paid non-QB. I think for considering his age and how productive he is as a pass rusher, it makes sense to me. Um, at 24 years old, to get that level of elite production, 13 and a half sacks, 10 and a half or 10 sacks the past two years, I th- I like Miles Garrett. I think he. Not necessarily worth the money because that's a whole lot of money, but as close to that money as you can get. So, tell me what you think about this comparison. He reminds me of Ndamukong Sue, and I know Sue played interior, Garrett plays exterior. When Sue was with the Lions, I think Garrett's great, but he had, I believe it was six penalties last year that extended drives. And that, to me, is just a huge stat and a huge red flag because it is so hard on the defensive end just to get off the field. And if you have someone that's constant, like six is a lot to me. I don't know how you feel about number, but six penalties that extend a play, that's just too many in my eyes. I think that sort of goes back to the the coaching and culture that they didn't have last year, you know. if Stefanski is a coach worth his salt, he's going to nip that in the butt or, like, get on Garrett for that. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Okay. So, what is your um, – what's your bold prediction? Um, my bold prediction is Baker and OBJ's public projects perception go back to how they were a year ago before the season. Okay. So, Baker goes back to being looked at as that Cleveland savior, and then OBJ finishes as a top five wide receiver. Okay. Um, I love OBJ. I love Baker and Fantasy, too. They're very high on my boards. Um, I have the bold prediction that they make the playoff and Chubb leads the league in rushing. And he, are you ready for this one? He averages over, He averages 5.8 yards per carry. Jeez. I mean, I just think that O-line is just going to be too good. You know what I mean? Like, I just think, I think he's just going to be a running machine, dude. Like, I just think... With that zone blocking, him just having to make one cut, he's going to be great. I mean, maybe maybe I'm being a little biased to Chubb 
because I like him a lot, but that's just what I think. Um, my bus ties into that. I think Kareem Hunt is not going to see the field because I think this team's going to get some leads in some games, and they're just going to be running the clock out with Chubb. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, my bust is going to be Austin Hooper. He's definitely a major upgrade over Njoku. But I feel like people will pick him as a top three, four, five tight end, you know. Whereas I just feel like he's slightly overrated in that sense. Um, and there will be a lot of competitions for targets between Landry, OBJ, um, Chubb, Hunt, you know. So a lot of mouths to feed, so I just feel like you'll be a bust in that case. And who is your fantasy football sleeper? Uh, I talked about it a lot already, but Baker Mayfield. I just feel like the NFL world's just so low on Baker that most people aren't going to take him high, so you can get him at quarterback two price, stash him on your bench, and then he can possibly have quarterback one starting quarterback production. Um. I did Jarvis Landry. I really feel he's really under the radar. Um, one of the things I do with fantasy is I look at how the player is over three years because I like to see this, like the consistency. Um, so listen to this. Over three years, he has 714 fantasy football points. That's more points than Derrick Henry. Okay? And he has the fourth most wide receiver targets the past three years. Really, and I, I mean, he's going off the board in the sixth round. When you get someone that gets that much volume, that many points, that many targets, I just think it's a no-brainer. You gotta, you gotta take that kid. So, gotcha. both of us kind of agree that. Would you say this is a make-or-break year for Baker? Yes, it definitely. Is. So if, okay, end of the year, you're the GM. I forget the GM's name. I know they hired from Philly, right? Oh, Andrew Barry. So let's say you're Andrew Barry. Browns finish 8-8, eight and eight, miss the playoffs by one game. Do you move on from Baker Mayfield? Um, I mean, there's a lot of variables at play there, depending on how they do, um, how he looks. But 8-8, eight eight, I feel like the Browns, they're not coming into the year with as high expectations as other people. So I feel like an 8-8 eight eight season would be acceptable, you know? Um, oh, now let me rephrase it. Last game of the year, home against Pittsburgh, winners in the playoffs. They lose the game. Do you make a, do you make a switch then? Because it's a big game and Baker doesn't get it done. I've never been one guy to base, like, my perception on a player on one game. So, that's for me personally. I know you got to win those games if you want to be a quarterback or a franchise QB, but I don't know. There's too many other variables at stake, so I wouldn't just okay. base it on that. I just feel that if he doesn't get it done this year, he's out. If they don't make the playoffs, he's out, and they're going to want one of their guys as quarterbacks. You know what I mean? They'll want. I mean, they got Case Keenum as a backup, so like they definitely – that might that in itself will light a fire under Baker's Baker's ass. So, well, keep in mind Baker's taking girls behind the cheesecake factory. You get a little a love in the car too. So, I don't know. We'll we'll have to see. So you and I are kind of you. We both have at nine and seven. I haven't making the playoffs. Did you ever make in the playoffs too? Yes, I have them. 
So, I mean, we both have him making the playoffs. We both expect him to take that step forward after a disappointing year last year. And the next team we'll look at is the team that shocked everyone last year but disappointed in the playoffs, the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore Ravens have an over-under of 11.5. They are minus 185, so a heavy favorite to win the AFC North. 3-1 to one to win the AFC and 5.75 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Offense, they were second in total offense, 27th in passing offense, first in rushing offense, defense, third in total defense, sixth in passing defense, five in rushing defense. So what what do you think about last year's surprise team, the Baltimore Ravens? Um, before the draft, I was thinking... Uh, the Ravens are definitely going to regress, you know. Um, last year, I'd not say it was an anomaly, but um, everything went right for the Ravens. But then they had the best draft and the best offseason in the entire league. So I have them going 12-4. and four, And uh, I just love their front office because they entered the draft with two clear holes, a linebacker and wide receiver. They were able to stand pat at whatever pick they had. I think it was like 23 and they grabbed the second-best linebacker in the draft between Patrick Queen. Um, and then two rounds later, in the third round, they grabbed his running mate for possibly like the next 10 years in Malik Harrison. Um, then in between that, those picks, they find a way to make their running game even more dangerous, grabbing J.K. Dobbins out of Ohio State. Um, then they get two elite route runners late in the draft between Devin DuVernay and James Prochet. So that's going to open up the middle of the field, make them way more dangerous in that play action in that running game, give Lamar some actual capable weapons to throw to. Um, and then they also helped out their D-line with getting Justin Matawike and then Clay Campbell from Jacksonville for pennies on the dollar. So they have one of the smartest front offices in the league, a great head coach, uh, Lamar may regress statistically a little bit, but this roster is just so deep that I I have them making the Super Bowl right now. That's my bold prediction. Ooh, ooh. Um, I have them at eleven. I have them at eleven and five. I bet the under eleven and a half wins. I already have that one locked in. Um, I mean, my big step, my big question is, what's the next step Lamar Jackson is going to take? You know, is he going to be able to make that throw? Because they really, Roman, in my eyes, is one of the best offensive coordinators in the game. And he always does what we talked about earlier. He puts the player in a position to succeed. And he made it very simple for Lamar where he didn't have to read the whole field. It was like right side, left side, or middle, and gave him two reads. If it wasn't there, it was like you run, which is great because you're not – you're not making an inexperienced guy do a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? Like they're putting him in a position to succeed. And is he going to be able to make that throw across the field? Like you saw in the game against the Titans when they needed to throw the ball, they, he just couldn't do it. And I just want to see what that next step is. They had a 42% target share to the tight end. I feel you can't do that in the NFL. You need to get the ball outside of the wide receivers. You can't rely on the tight end so much. Um, yeah. Also, 
who's going to replace Yada on the offensive line? I mean, he's been a staple there forever. And yeah. losing, like, an anchor like that, I really feel that's going to hurt them a lot. Um, also, the backfield. I just don't know, like, because Ingram had that calf injury at the end of the year. And then when he wasn't on the field as much, like, the running game just wasn't there. And Dobbins not being able to be around the team, I think that's going to have a huge effect on how much he's able to be on the field. Um, and then who's the wide receiver chain mover? Okay, so it's third and seven. Who, who who's the guy that's going to get the first down? Who if you're yeah, Lamar, they, they don't have a wide receiver chain mover still. You know what I mean? They don't have that guy that can move the chains. Um, and you hit it on the head. I mean, but their defense is going to be nails. You got Campbell. I mean, they got Campbell for the fifth round. I mean, was was that the only deal on the table for Campbell? It still yeah. blows my mind that the Ravens got Campbell for a fifth flipping round pick. Why aren't my Lions making that trade? Um, and then getting that kid from LSU, McQueen, I mean, I think that was a, a great a great pickup. I mean, definitely, like, ever since Mosley left, they really don't have that line. They really didn't replace him. Now they got someone that could be the next Ray Lewis, and which is I think is great. So your bold prediction is they win the Super Bowl. Yeah, well... I said lead them to the Super Bowl. I'm uh, right now. I do have them winning it actually. Okay. But I, I'm winning it over the Seahawks. Okay. My my bold prediction is they don't win at all. They lose in the playoffs. And how early do you have them losing the playoffs? Do you have um, I didn't. I don't have that in front of me. I I'll, yeah, okay. I have them winning their first game. Okay. Um, and then I have them, and then my along with that, I have their Greg Roman leaves and gets an NFL coaching job, and I really feel like when Roman leaves, the window is closed because I really don't feel they're going to find an offensive coordinator as good as him. So that's my bold prediction: is Ravens don't win at all, the door closes because Roman leaves. Um, who is your fantasy football bust? It's got to be Lamar Jackson. Um, I can already see people taking him super early, expecting expecting last year. We just talked about that, like how you can't chase last year. Someone's going to take him too early. I just don't see him rushing for a 1,000 yards again, you know? Like, that's so hard to do at the quarterback position in the NFL on a year-to-year basis that I just don't expect that to happen. I do think he'll take some strides. Um as a passer, especially when all off-season people have been um, looking at him as not a good passer and stuff like that, I think that 3,127-yard mark, he's going to improve upon that. But he's definitely going to regress in terms of touchdowns and or rushing touchdowns and rushing yards, which added to his fantasy value a lot. So, I mean, you get bus. that you get that quarterback that rushes is just it's just huge. I wanted to go Lamar, I really did, but. I went a different way. I went Mark Andrews. I just don't. I just feel that he came out of nowhere, and he just he put up great numbers. But I just feel like they're not going to throw to the tight end as much as they did last year. I just feel like they got um, the kid from Texas. You mentioned him, Devin Devarney. I think that him running the slot, he's going to get more targets. 
and I mean, like, if I'm a DC and a, you're throwing to the tight end 42 percent of the time, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll coverage to the tight end. So, yeah. another thing about last year's team that almost didn't make sense is how many times Mark Andrews would just find himself open in like the red zone. And it was like with such a large tight end share or like passing share, and like how was that not covered more? So like I don't know. I think teams will be better this year. They understand their offense, and so they'll regress in terms of like the st- the stats they'll put up this year. That offense, I, it just it was one of the weirdest things in the world, just because he kind of just, you know, he came out of nowhere. You know what I mean? He was just kind of there, and I don't know. I just don't think there's any way that he can, you know, just re- recoup what he was able to do. You know what he was able to do last year. I mean, he had ninety-eight targets last year. He led the team in targets, and I just don't see him getting ninety-eight targets this coming up year. Um, my sleeper is the kid from Texas. I think that kid's great. I think he's going to add a whole different wrinkle. You're going to be able to use the play action with him running underneath in the slot, and I think he's going to have a huge year. Devin Duvernay, sorry. Yeah, Devin Duvernay is one of the picks I love the most in the draft just because he'll help that offense tremendously, open up the middle of the field, not only for the run game, but also for Mark Andrews to still get more touches just because he's now going to take up attention too in the middle of the field with his crossing patterns. But um, my fantasy football sleeper, um, I was more thinking long-term, but J.K. Dobbins, um, I feel like the Ravens always have a good offensive line, interior line to run the football. So for dynasty leagues, I would definitely take him in any anyone. Um, but I feel like it also speaks to how good the Ravens front office is because they understand positional value and they understand that marking them to get old. And so here we can incorporate this new young running back and then get his value and then use him up for like the next whatever, four or five years, and then move on and rinse, rinse, wash, and repeat so they understand positional value, and they're going to make it a point to get Dobbins touches mm-hmm. and use him. That, that's a real good point. I mean, it just amazes me how some of these teams are just always, like, six steps ahead of other teams mm-hmm. and, like, don't see, hey, this is what's going to happen. You know, let's get it here. Now, let me let me let me throw this one at you. Um, you know, this is a nugget from the old man, my my pops. His thing was this: that the league went to a passing league two years ago. Okay, so you see everybody signing more secondary guys, drafting more secondary guys, playing more defense, catered to stopping the pass, and that. The Ravens saw that and, you know, obviously went more run-happy because of the weapons they have. Do you feel now since, like, the Ravens' offense succeeded just because everyone was so – everyone just had guys to stop the pass? You know what I'm I'm saying? Like, do you feel like they kind of took advantage of everyone – tailing their defense to stop the pass and they just said and they just pounded the ball or do you feel their offense is this good? 
based on what I was saying, like that, they'll regress in definitely a lot of areas. Um, so I think their offense is good, but yeah, they're definitely going to regress. So I don't think they're that good. They definitely took advantage of what they saw. But I don't think it's going to completely disappear because Lamar is such a unique talent at quarterback that he's always going to provide a plus one in the run game mm-hmm. for them. So Okay. All right. So you... So just to review, I have the Ravens eleven and five, losing in the playoffs. You have Ravens twelve and four. Twelve and four, losing the Super Bowl. Then I have the Steelers at second place, ten and six, losing in the AFC um, conference championship. Who did you have in second place? The Browns. I'm second, the Cleveland Browns at nine and seven, losing in the wild card. Okay, I have the Browns in third, nine and seven, losing in the wild card. You have the Steelers eight and eight, not making the playoffs, correct? Mm-hmm. And then I went six and ten with the Bengals. You went five and eleven with the Bengals. Yes. Okay. Well, Sterling, you are the man. I appreciate you taking the time. You put in a great, great effort in all your your breakdown and your content. And plus, it's always original content. So you know, I appreciate that. Appreciate that. You are a great follow, and I heard you mention NFL Twitter, so that means you are finally breaking down and going on Twitter more, which I'm very proud of you for. Why don't you tell everyone where to find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at SilverStar underscore sports. So SilverStar Sports, but it's going to be an underscore in between the star and the sports. Um, still trying to make my way to Twitter. I've more just been navigating it and reading the terrible takes so far. Um, that's been fun. But yeah, so... I'm not going to tell you guys my Twitter because I still got to get into it and I want to introduce it when I'm fully there. Okay. But uh, yeah, just follow me on Instagram. Lots more content coming. I'll break down each of the 32 NFL teams individually. So be tuned for that. And then the NBA starting back up soon. That's also one of my favorite leagues. So I'll be keeping um, pace with that. So. Okay. All right. Speaking of the NBA, real quick, who, who do you got in the finals? Clippers. Clippers, Clippers win. Clip, you got you got the Clippers, Clippers and who? Clippers and the Bucks, and okay. then the Clippers win it all. All right, all right, all right. What do you have? Well, I mean, I have the Bucks winning it all, and yeah, I well, feel that yeah. I think they're gonna. I think they'll beat the Lakers. Okay. So, but um, we'll definitely talk some basketball once that start starts. We'll be back next week talking about the AFC West, the wild, wild west. Thanks again for coming on, buddy. Thank you again for having me. It's always fun. So that was Sterling from Silver Star Sports. Make sure you guys are giving him a follow. Great guy to follow. And the reason I like his stuff is it's all original content. He has his own thoughts, his own ideas. Great follow. If you guys are interested in any sport, he provides anything for everything. I think him and I started talking over some Carmelo Anthony debate. We had two different opinions on it. He has one side, I have a different side. But that's what makes this stuff fun is other people have different ways of looking at stuff and you just, you know, you talk it out and you respect it. So he's a he's a great guy. You know, make sure you um make sure you guys follow him and you know, give him a like, give him a follow and make sure you look at his list cuz his power rankings great stuff. I just got an interesting alert Toronto is not going to be allowed to play in the Rogers Center. So it looks like the Blue Jays are going to be looking for a new home for the um, upcoming season, which I get. I mean, Toronto, Canada is being very um, 
particular about the restrictions and everything. So it's going to be interesting to see where the Blue Jays end up. I was very high on this team. I still am. I mean, I have those futures on them to make the playoffs and to win the World Series, believe it or not, at great prices. So it's going to be interesting. And like I said, this season, the, the crazy thing about this MLB season I don't really think people are realizing is there's going to be a team, a player, that just get on this insane hot streak. And they're on this hot streak. And it's going to propel them or propel a team or he's going to get traded to someone for some prospects. So it, it, the team that gets hot or the player that gets hot at the beginning of the season is going to be so interesting to me. Because, I mean, there could be these guys that, like Bryce Harper, let's say it takes him a little while, he could be bet 220, 230 this season. And you got some... Let's say Cabrera. Cabrera could just have a baller season from the Tigers. So this season, I think, is going to be a little bit... There's going to be that random-ass team that comes out of nowhere that catches fire, and everyone's like, oh, shit. Because the sample size is so small, and everything is going to be right on top of each other. So this season is going to be like nothing we've never seen before. So I'm really interested to to hear what... Uh, the lock god has to say about the uh, baseball no fans. So it's going to be interesting to see where him. It's going to be interesting to see where the Blue Jays go. So like I said, I just got that alert here at 2 p.m. So we cashed our first soccer bet of the day. Burley got it done. You know, grinding out some horse bets. All those are posted at etof21sports underscore horse underscore racing. We got Xfinity starting soon. Trucks later tonight. I'll be posting that. UFC later tonight. Got to watch the weigh-in. Got to watch the weigh-in, folks. One of my things are I do not cap a fight until I look at the weigh-in. So I got to watch the weigh-in. So those plays will be posted on the Twitter and the Instagram account. Um, thanks for following, guys. Great show today. Again, Sterling will be back next Sunday. We will break down the AFC West, which you know, anyone that's been listening to any of my thing knows that it has my favorite rookie from the NFL class in there. Also, we got... The Lock God, Jack, coming on to, on Monday's show. Looking forward to talking to him. Thanks again to Sterling for coming on. Thanks for Shai for coming on on Monday. Thanks for Gino Bacala for letting, having me come on and break down the NBA. Stuff's starting to pick up, guys, and we're starting to be in full swing. Those guys have been asking me about my packages. Just remember, stuff's not starting up the football, so everything's free. You know, no need to flood the inbox. Oh, we got MLS tonight too. Looking to keep that going. So, like I said, no need to flood the inbox. I will, you know, be posting stuff for free, not charging guys anything. If you guys do win big, all I ask is pick a charity that gives back to kids. Just donate a little, a little something. It doesn't have to be much. Just a little something. Because I mean, donating to those that aren't as fortunate as us. And helping is what it's all about. Wear your mask, stay safe, stay well, and I will talk to you guys on Monday.